Content warning. This episode will discuss post-traumatic stress disorder, mental health, policing, and there's a brief mention of suicide. Burnout. And no, I'm not talking about the engine revving and tire squealing popular at car shows. Sorry to disappoint. I'm talking about the emotional feeling of burnout so prevalent in our daily lives. What is burnout? What causes burnout and how does it manifest? Often when people think about burnout, it is related to jobs with a high amount of emotional labor like nursing or childcare. But what does burnout look like for professions that don't fall under the caring umbrella? What even are non-caring professions and how do these differ from caring professions? These questions and so many more will be answered in today's podcast. I'm Michael Hewitt, fifth year psychology student at Mount Alice University, and this is Burned Out, The End of the Match. You've already heard the word burnout many times already in this podcast. So warning, I'm going to sound like a broken record. You'll be hearing that word a lot. Let's get to it, though. What is burnout? Burnout, as defined by the World Health Organization, is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. What does this mean exactly? No, this doesn't mean you hate your job. That, of course, can lead to increased burnout, but that's not it. Essentially, burnout is a result of undealt with stress from your job. Have you ever gone home after a long day at work and felt too tired to do anything but become a proverbial couch potato? Or maybe your day was so stressful you've come home to your spouse having not taken out the trash and that set you off quicker than Usain Bolt at the Olympics. Take a minute. Seriously, pause the podcast and take a minute to reflect on your behaviors and feelings after a long day of work. I'll be right here when you get back. I promise. For those who did think about it, thank you. Were you shocked by what came to mind? Don't worry, I was too. For those that didn't, I'm more disappointed than a rich kid who got the wrong color Ferrari for their birthday. I'm just kidding, though I do implore you to take that minute at some point. With those thoughts in mind, though, let me tell you something. That may have been you inching towards the verge of burnout. Wild, right? Something that you probably didn't notice, behaviors that went unrecognized are backed by psychology. Now you can give your family and friends that excuse that you've been longing to find. You're welcome. I truly care about this topic, and I really think it's important to talk about. I explain why after a short break. When I was a little boy, about five or six, and police showed up in my neighborhood, I was starstruck. I thought police were the coolest people in the world. So me, being the foolish little boy I was, grabbed a notebook and pen and ran to the officer to ask for his autograph. The officer rudely denied my request, sending me home distraught. My mother was none too happy, and happened to mention it to her friend whose husband was a police officer. Shortly after, a police officer showed up at my door with a goodie bag and an invite to the station to see some of the things there. Well, wouldn't you guess that I started playing cop at home with all the things I had been gifted? And wouldn't that be the thing that got me hooked on being a police officer? I currently plan on pursuing a career in law enforcement after graduating. Now that I look back on it, the officer's snarky reaction may have been a small slip up, a small manifestation of burnout, if you will. Me wanting to be a police officer, I understand the risk of burnout. That is why I'm so interested in this topic and one that I am truly interested in. I have friends that are police officers and I would never want to see myself or them struggle. So that is why I really want to express the importance of this topic. Afraid you're gonna be asked for proof of burnout? 
We'll look no further than today's podcast. We look into what the science says after a short break. I'm going to keep this as brief as I can, I promise. A recent study investigated the burnout experienced by both law enforcement officers and their civilian co-workers. Their results were fascinating, to say the least. It has been suggested that, although stemming from different sources, the burnout experienced by these two parties is really not all that different. Both police officers and their civilian co-workers experienced similar levels of burnout. A study from last year investigated the well-being of teachers and found that over 70% of teachers fell into their burnout category, suggesting the presence of burnout in that line of work. In essence, teachers that are at high risk of burnout. Another recent study investigated firefighters and found that not only did they experience burnout, but PTSD and physical injury as well in their line of work. More on that and really all of this later. Don't worry, though. I'm going to keep you more entertained than your favorite TV sitcom. One recent study and one from closer to the beginning of the century found an unfortunately high presence of workplace harassment and suggested it to be a cause of burnout. Enough with the background science. Let's get into the good stuff. Why does burnout happen? We look into the causes of this phenomenon next. What causes burnout? Well, to be honest, it can be a multitude of things, but they all end up stemming from the stress found in all jobs. We've all experienced burnout throughout our lives, whether we knew it at the time or not. Let's first look at the three facets of burnout. As defined by the World Health Organization, these facets are emotional exhaustion, mental distance from one's job, and reduced efficacy or usefulness at work. Now, what causes these feelings? It's always good to balance your professional and personal lives, but did you know that this is one of the main causes of burnout? I'm not telling you to completely disregard either of these aspects of your life because finding that good balance is essential but finding that balance is also tough and can lead to burnout. Putting too much of yourself into your work doesn't leave you with enough for your personal life to decompress, while at the same time putting too much into your personal life doesn't leave you with much for your work, which can lead to poor performance and thus increase burnout. Social support is fundamental to a positive workplace, and when there are shortcomings in this department, burnout is more likely to occur. Think about the last time you made a mistake at work or at school. Did you have someone to tell you it was going to be okay? that the sky wasn't falling, that felt good to have that person, didn't it? Now imagine if you didn't have that person. Would your mistake have eaten you up inside? Would you have beaten yourself up more for it? Of course you would have. That's a natural reaction. In saying that, would it be fair to suggest that social support can be preventative of burnout? I think so. Is your boss strict? How about those company policies that I'm sure have been drilled into your brain? Well, that level of authority probably pisses you off sometimes, doesn't it? You probably go home and complain to your friends and family about your boss, don't you? Yeah, that too is a symptom of burnout. Ever had to make a tough decision at work? Maybe you work in customer service and have to decide whether or not to refund a customer or, in a more severe situation, you're a police officer and you have to decide whether or not the person in front of you is armed or not. I'm sure you've made at least one tough decision at work. And maybe you've gone home after and really thought about if you made the right call or not. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But the emotional toll that decision took on you is there regardless if it was the right call or not. Yet another symptom of burnout. Have you ever looked at the work in front of you and thought, that is a lot of work. I don't know how I'll ever get it all done. Did that workload ever stress you out while you were trying to relax? Maybe it made you feel guilty about trying to relax in the first place. Surprise, surprise. That too is a symptom of burnout. Do you work in a physically demanding job? Have you ever been hurt, severely or not, as a result of your job? 
Did the injury cause your mood to worsen or otherwise change? Maybe you saw something at your job you wish you didn't, something that maybe traumatized you. Walmart cashiers, I'm looking at you. I've seen some of the characters that come through your doors. Briefly, PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, is the mental illness resulting from emotional trauma resulting from something you've experienced or witnessed. This mental illness can impact your life greatly, or not so greatly, but the severity of your PTSD doesn't make it any less real. Seriously though, do you feel, maybe, a little bit of PTSD from your job that has been a detriment to your mental health? What I'm about to say might just shock you. Another symptom of burnout. I know, I just sent you for a loop with that one. Burnout again. Finally, have you ever been belittled at work by a boss or maybe even a coworker? Has someone made a backhanded comment about you that really stuck with you? Did you go home that night and feel sad, demoralized about what had been said to you? That too just might be a sign of burnout. And unfortunately, workplace bullying and harassment is one of the leading causes of burnout. So now that you know what causes burnout, let's move on. Another episode will talk about caring professions, so let's focus on burnout outside of that realm. So what are these non-caring professions? How do they differ from caring professions? If you don't know, that's okay. I've done all the hard work for you. Just sit back, relax, and get more comfortable than you were on your last vacation. I'm using the term non-caring profession to describe jobs where the primary job of the worker is not to care for another individual. Sorry, mechanics, I know you care about your cars a lot and may even name the cars, but that doesn't qualify for a caring profession. Doctors, nurses, personal support workers, those are caring professions. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the general differences between these two categories of professions because I'm sure you don't need to be told the difference between the work done by a neurosurgeon and the work done by the cashier at your local McDonald's. What I am going to tell you, however, is why I think burnout is different in non-caring professions than it is in caring professions. Let's waste no time and get right into it. First, I think it's important to note some of the stresses faced in non-caring jobs. The stress faced by, say, a Walmart customer service rep may stem from someone yelling because they can't return their purchase without the receipt. This, of course, is much different than, say, the stress a doctor faces when one of their patients die. That is not to say the stress is any less real or any less impactful on the person for that matter, but the stress does stem from different places. The stress is different and, as it stems from different places, the stress itself can be fundamentally different. Why is this? Let's look at it on the surface. The stress found in a caring profession is dependent on the well-being of another person. In a non-caring profession, however, for the most part, the stress found is dependent on the convenience of another person. Being yelled at as a police officer because you're giving someone a ticket for speeding is much different than seeing a family break down after you tell them their loved one died in surgery. Again, I want to make myself clear. I'm not invalidating the feelings of burnout experience in non-caring professions. I'm simply saying that it's different. A huge contributor to burnout is feeling a lack of control over your work and life. So, working in a job where your boss is a jerk and unpredictable with discipline or anger can lead to burnout. Or, being in customer service where people yell at you all the time, but you have to be nice to them, all while making minimum wage, can lead to burnout. The worst kinds of stressors are those you have no control over. And this is exactly what can happen in crappy jobs, high-pressure jobs, or jobs where you are constantly dealing with unpredictability. We all deal with stress and take in stress differently. It's very possible that someone yelled at by a customer will feel more burnt out than a doctor who loses a patient. A friend of mine is a paramedic in the city of Toronto and told me that after a while, you become almost desensitized to the stuff you see and the loss of life. 
That's something important to remember too. Further, much more frequently in non-caring professions, the worker themselves is blamed for the inconvenience, be it a traffic ticket or not being able to accept an expired coupon. The personal attacks certainly resonate more and would impact the person greatly. 2020 has been ravaged by the COVID-19 pandemic. What does that mean for burnout? We get into that next. COVID-19 has changed our way of life completely. From people being out of a job to kids being sent home from school, nothing is the same. What does this global pandemic mean for burnout though? I can tell you right off the bat that it's not good. In a recent article published by the CBC, professors at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, were interviewed and stated that they felt as though they were on the verge of burnout. Why is this pandemic increasing the risk of burnout? Well, not only are workers at risk of contracting the virus and thus fear that, but let's remember that workload is a major cause of burnout. Think about all the extra work that needs to be done due to the pandemic. Extra sanitation, placing barricades to create socially distanced paths throughout stores, the wearing of increased protective wear, and even teachers having to adapt their lessons to be taught remotely. If this pandemic has you feeling extra burnt out, that's okay. It's understandable and acceptable. We've talked a lot about what burnout is and how burnout happens, but what does burnout look like in the real world? I tell you that next. Burnout manifests in our everyday lives in a variety of ways. Many of us have seen it or experienced it and probably didn't even know it was burnout. Emotional exhaustion is one way in which burnout manifests. When you just feel completely depleted, that's burnout. Yes, that's also a cause of burnout, but it can be an effect of burnout too. Similarly, physical injury is a cause of burnout, but can also be the result of burnout. The more burnt out you are, the higher chance of physical injury for a multitude of reasons. It's wild to think, but it's almost like a two-way road. What causes burnout can also end up being the result of burnout. I guess somebody didn't read the memo to not fight fire with fire. We see all the time people turning to alcohol, tobacco, and drugs as a way to escape the harsh realities of the real world. Well, that's no different in the realm of burnout. People turn to substances when feeling burnt out from their jobs, and sometimes the substance use turns into substance abuse. It's a harsh reality we live in, and sometimes people turn to negative measures to fix their pain and struggles. Really makes you think, doesn't it? Trigger warning. The next manifestation of burnout may hit home for some people, so I'll be brief. Suicide is a common manifestation of burnout. It happens when people feel far too overwhelmed to continue. That is all I will say about that. I really just want to hammer home how serious burnout is. Conflict in the home is something everyone experiences at one point or another, and many times it is due to the burnout someone in the home experiences as a result of their job. Be it spousal arguing, harsh child rearing, or something else, family conflict is one of, if not the most common consequences of burnout. Divorce rates spike in homes where burnout is not properly managed. Let's look at a profession which, according to stereotypes, has unusually high divorce rates. Law enforcement. Yes, divorce rates are high among law enforcement officers, but there are many different types of law enforcement officers. Think about it for a second. What type of law enforcement officer do you think has the highest rate of divorce? Maybe it's the traffic cop who gives out speeding tickets. Maybe it's the homicide detective who sees gruesome scenes as part of their everyday job. Maybe it's members of the SWAT team who take on high-risk assignments every day. Made your guess yet? I'm willing to bet that every single one of you is wrong. Ready to be shocked? The type of law enforcement officer with the highest rate of divorce is parking enforcement. That surprised me as I'm sure it surprised you. Let's talk about that briefly. 
Why may that be? Maybe it's because parking enforcement officers feel they really aren't doing anything for the greater good when giving someone a ticket for parking on the side of the street at the wrong time of the day. Maybe, maybe not. It's certainly interesting to think about that, though. The study of burnout is new, and when something is new, there is always problems. Let's look at some of the issues of studying burnout next. Like all new things, there are issues. In psychology, we call these limitations. The study of burnout is new, and thus, there is still a lot we don't know. As time goes on, we will surely learn more and more, and some of the information presented today may be changed or updated. But for now, there is a lot we don't know. The issue, too, is that we don't know what we don't know. This will certainly change in the future. All studies on burnout are done via a self-report measure, meaning that people being studied provide the data themselves and choose which data to put forward. For this reason, we can run into something called the social desirability bias in which people respond in a way that they believe will make them look good to the society around them. Men, for example, are expected to be strong and determined, providing for their families no matter what while never showing signs of vulnerability. For this reason, men being studied about burnout may underreport their feelings of burnout to fit the uber-masculine mold so pushed onto them by society. Maybe people fear reprimand from their bosses. Maybe showing burnout will lead to punishment such as reduced hours or even termination. For that reason as well, people will pretend they're okay. Pretend they're not burnt out. It's a harmful and harsh reality. How can we do better in the face of burnout? I give my suggestions right after this. Going through burnout alone sucks. That's why there needs to be a collective action to better implement proactive and reactive measures to burnout. First, as a society, I think we can do better. We need to show people that it's okay to admit that you're burnt out, that it is okay to be tired and worn down. Too much in society, we praise the people who put their work ahead of everything else and cherish the phrase, no days off. Well, enough is enough. If we keep doing that, we are perpetuating a society plagued by burnout. We as a society have to move towards a place where we don't let burnout happen. Further, I think we need to shift our societal expectations of people into a more humanistic approach from the capitalist approach that is so dominant. Corporations need to do a better job supporting their employees as well. These are the people who make you money, who keep your company running. If they need support, you need to be giving it to them. Companies should put in place policies that prioritize worker health, safety, and happiness over all else. We, as family and friends, can do better to help our loved ones as well. See someone who seems down in the dumps? Ask them if they're okay and offer them a helping hand. Be kinder to people who come home and seem to have had a rough day. The last thing they want after a rough day of work is a rough night in their own home. Just be better people to each other. That's it. So much can get better if we get better. I've talked about a lot today and covered a multitude of things. We wrap up after this. Burnout is a global phenomenon experienced by millions of people every day, and today's podcast covered this as it is experienced by people in non-caring professions. Let's talk about some of the best ways to battle burnout, shall we? Number one, talk more. Simply talking about your feelings can work wonders. Number two, express yourself. Find a way to express your emotions if you just don't want to talk. See the episode on writing for relief for more ideas about that. Number three, let your emotions out. Don't bottle everything up because eventually it will explode like a Coke bottle filled with Mentos. Number four, 
Let's try and break down the culture of excessive busyness and make it okay for people to take breaks. Number five, allow workers to have more control over their lives. No one knows you better than you. Take more control. There are so many methods that can work, some better than others, and some that will be more effective depending on the person. Before I go, I want to leave you with one final thing. Remember, burnout is something we all experience and it's okay to feel that way, but always remember that there will always be people to turn to. You are never alone. Thank you so much for your time and I hope you enjoyed learning about burnout. My name is Michael Hewitt and that was Burned Out, The End of the Match. This is Fine, a podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience, was created by students at Mount Allison University. The students created each episode as part of a fourth-year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Dawn Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick, or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at paleblue.studios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting.